Hello everyone, this is Zach with La Familia Ayahuasca and I'm sitting here with Jess. Hello. And first and foremost, we always like to thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, uh, the La Familia Ayahuasca or Ayahuasca Family Podcast. And we have a really, really special podcast today. And just as a warning, we, we haven't finished it yet, obviously. Um, and this is not an intro that will be separate from the podcast, uh, but warning, this may be quite a long podcast, at least an hour, maybe two. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, th- we, we think it's important to, to be totally clear about this. So this is, uh, this is us announcing the La Familia Ayahuasca Training Mandala, which uh, a mandala, uh, training mandala is a training program. And this is kind of a sneak peek, an outline, if you will, as we're going to launch this in uh, 20, early 2020. And it's going to be uh, a very in-depth and comprehensive ayahuasca shamanism training program. Um, and when you, it's, it's not going to be like any programs that are out there currently, uh, particularly in a structured form like this. Um, this program will have four stages or levels with a minimum of one year um, to complete each level. Uh, they're going to be so comprehensive that it'll be challenging for that to happen, uh, but I'm sure some people will. <coughs> and of course, one can take longer to complete each level if they need to. Uh, each level will require an application and subsequent invitation from La Familia Ayahuasca to participate. Now, the first one you know, uh, will require attendance to one of our retreats in Guatemala, and um, subsequently, if one wants to get into the program, they need to apply, and then we invite. And then the point being is once someone completes each level, we are going to either invite them or no, we're, we're good kind of situation. And, and on the other side, the student may choose to be like, hey, I've, I've done two levels, and wow, I think I've that's enough. enough. <laughs> I've had enough, um, all of which is great. And it's, it's a program designed um, for both those who want to do personal work, um, deep, deep personal work, and then also those that want to continue to become facilitators, um, and that's an option. And so any kind of anywhere between, too. Um, the idea is that um, by level four, completion of level four, one would feel comfortable um, to do small uh, ayahuasca retreat groups, uh, or ayahuasca ceremonies, I should say. Um, so as an example of the, how the levels go, level one is very much focused on personal and spiritual development from a personal standpoint, whereas level two to four become more and more focused on becoming an ayahuasca facilitator. <clears throat> so with, with all that, that's kind of a general overview, and with all that said, um, Jess, can you kind of run through the reasons we're doing this? What, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, this really came up because we kept saying to ourselves, we, we don't take students we don't take students we don't take students but the thing is is that we do even if we don't we do Um, people end up studying the medicine within our container and and also people who end up studying the medicine tend to really become close with us and become our friends and uh, it becomes hard then to kind of navigate in in ceremony like the you know, we can oftentimes feel pressure to speed up their development process or give them more, responsibility. more responsibilities in ceremony than they're quite ready for. And, you know, there's just this sort of gray area that occurs. So this is really in part formalizing our interactions with students such that we have clear expectations of people who are studying the medicine and also clear boundaries because this is, you know, our livelihood. This is our our work and uh, you know we can't can't just have people poking around in the ceremony space they need to to have some real foundational work that's done first yeah it needs to be going back on the formalization you know this is something very new to um, 
gringos or westerners and they don't quite understand how in the jungle it works um, the in the jungle it's not structured or formal at, at all um, and it's really uh, much more intuitive and, and, and flowy uh, which Westerners have a hard time with on two points, right? The <clears throat> one is that they always like to have a structure. What, when can I do X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Um, and two, they're always wanting to jump ahead. They're always wanting to move forward faster than, uh, than they're ready. And I think that may be um, human nature, but uh, I would say it's accentuated, uh, maybe aggravated in, in uh, Western, main, you know, Western society. It's just the way way we're wired so to speak mm-hmm. so yeah and the other reason is that we we are constantly getting requests um, for people who want to become apprentices or want to train in the medicine and so this is kind of a way that we can serve them and also allow people to really make an, an informed decision because level one is not going to be easy um, and subsequent levels are going to be a whole lot of work and a lot of time dedicated. So it's level one is really a good way to know, do you really want to go on the medicine path? Yeah, yeah. It's a really good, uh, solid introduction to what's required, um, which is a lot more than I think people know or expect. Or realize, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think on that point, a lot of people look at ayahuasca facilitators Oh, they're, you know, it's it, you know, they're they're singing songs and they're serving medicine and wow, I could do that kind of thing and the, there's just a even even with some experience, um, there's some they get the, people do gain understanding like wow, that's pretty incredible. I'm nailed to the not nailed, but I'm I'm I can't really move while I'm in the ayahuasca experience and you guys are all moving around and singing and all that sort of thing and that's impressive. However once they start are able to sit up in ceremony um, I think there can be a little bit of a disconnect as to the subtleties and the hard work that um, in the training itself and then the hard work for running ceremony uh, what that requires um, because the, you know, it's our it's our uh, again I think it's kind of human nature and particularly in, in Western society um, we tend to focus on the form what it looks like without looking at the more subtle nuances So this is also kind of in response to what's sort of coming out as fast food shamanism. And it's just this phenomenon in the world of spirituality where people are, as we've been talking about, taking shortcuts um, to become facilitators, ayahuasca facilitators. And we really want to provide a training program that is profound, mm-hmm. uh, deep, and, and really cuts to the core and instead of sort of a two-week training program wherein you get some kind of certificate that yeah. you can do a you know press play kind of ceremony, ceremony for yeah. people and it's we we really want to train people to provide a truly transformative and healing experience yeah yeah I mean, we, we really disagree with the idea that one can take shortcuts on the medicine path in fact, we, we would emphatically say there are no shortcuts uh, in this kind of work. Um, you know, in, in the in the jungle, <clears throat> they they say that the the quick and easy path is the path of a brujo or a sorcerer, whereas the healing path or the pura medicina, the pure medicine path, is long and slow. Um, and they also say uh, la medicina es lento pero seguro. Uh, the medicine is slow but sure, and there's a joke, la medicina is lento pero despacio, the medicine is slow but slow. <clears throat> so it's, you know, we, we talk about this quick path, or the, which can lead to the brujo or sorcerer path, um, oftentimes unbeknownst to the person who decides to take that shortcut. Um, because what can happen, particularly with uh, ayahuasca and sometimes in more esoteric um, magic schools, um, without some really tight training, 
Um, it's really easy to get caught up in the in the shadow and temptations of ego, uh, sex, money, and power. Um, and it's it's even it, it's really easy as one is you know, taking these shortcuts, thinking they're doing good. They can actually cause harm, um, even with the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. In addition, this program is melding the the foundational uh, training programs that we might see in the jungle with um, the the Western need for structure and intellectual learning. Um, of course, as I mentioned before, we're going to be combining these uh, intellectual components with uh, experiential learning, which in the jungle, it's totally experiential learning. Uh, however, Westerners tend to have a hard time with that. And what we're going to do is it's in the, the beginning, it's going to be um, more intellectual combined with experiential learning, um, as always. Uh, and as the program progresses throughout the levels, the study, become, the study will become more and more experiential in nature. You know, I find, I found this in my own path, and, and I'm finding this in students that and people that we have studying the medicine, that Westerners also tend to be really separated from their intuition Mm -hmm. so in ceremony it's sometimes hard to know at first is this me telling me to go do something or is this ayahuasca telling me to go do something or is this something that's you know getting cleaned out from my ego or is this something that the medicine is telling me so in those first couple of levels we're going to be here actually to guide you into understanding when it is that the medicine is really speaking to you versus what's getting cleaned out and I think in the jungle and in traditional training programs you are just kind of tossed in there to figure that out on your own yeah I think in the, in the jungle there's already um, an ingrained understanding around yes. intuition and so there's less of um, figuring that out at the same time that's part of the reason in the jungle that it takes so long to become a curandero is because in ayahuasca you really really need to discern what is being shown to you is that our own egoic bullshit or is that um, actually what ayahuasca is putting forth and I would put put forth the, the idea that even fully trained curanderos uh, in the jungle um, can make uh, make mistakes you know it, it happens and so what we're trying to do with this is really um, you know, reduce uh, the, the possibility of that happening it's, it, it is going to happen doesn't matter what you're doing you're going to make a mistake doesn't matter if you're you know studying to be an engineer you're going to make a mistake <laughs> a surgeon's going to make a mistake but um, we're trying to reduce that misunderstanding and again that's where those who are taking shortcuts they're likelihood of making gigantic mistakes that can harm themselves and harm other people increase substantially without um, subsequent or enough training. So this is also in response to what we see as the possibility of the coming legalization of ayahuasca um, in the U.S. and throughout the world and that there will be people who are untrained and then there will be kind of shoddy training programs that are going to start coming up and we want really want to set up a profound training program that imparts really important skills to kind of be an answer to what will inevitably be fast food shamanism yeah, yeah. which we're already seeing yes yeah um and really the last last point is at some point we're gonna die Jess yeah. and I are going to die. We're going to die. <laughs> it's going to happen. And uh, we feel that our, our lineage and, and the evolution that we've experienced, um, it would be great to transmit that to others such that they can take the practice even further and evolve expand it even further. Expand it. Expand yeah. it. So we think that's really, really important. Yes, we are going to die. And while I love the idea of nepotism and just passing it all on to Bodhi, I... I don't have any assurances that he won't become a, a corporate lawyer or a stockbroker, <laughs> you know, just out of spite. So. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Michael, Michael Keaton of shamanism, for those of you who are old enough to remember Family Ties and Michael Keaton. Um, cool. So, honey, why don't you tell us what your training in the jungle was like? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was down in Peru 
from about 2010 uh, to mid-2014. My training was particularly intense. Um, in fact, I, I look back at uh, how much training I did in, in that time period, and I, I don't think I could do it again, particularly at my my ripe old age now. And so it was it was pretty much, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall the entire time. Partly, or a big part, because I didn't have any other responsibilities. I. Didn't have a job. I hadn't saved enough money to go down there, and um, and didn't have any other responsibilities. And so I would be literally doing shamanic dietas at least once a month, if not two times a month. I was in. This is before we uh, built our camp. I was still able to drink ayahuasca three to four times a week because there was nothing else to do. (laughs) I was in this small jungle village and there was like this access to this amazing, these amazing shamans. And uh, uh, it wasn't expensive. You know, I wasn't in a retreat center and I just was like, all right, this is what we do. And and in fact, um, there's a small group of um, gringos who hung out in this village and I coined the term, yeah, we're, we're ayahuasca bums. It's like, you know, sur- surf bums who have found this secret break on this, you know, crazy uh, unknown island or something, and, and they went surfing there all the time. So we found this secret little village where uh, we had this group of shamans that we could drink with all the time. And so that's what we did. We would do shamanic dietas and drink ayahuasca. And then when um, I kind of finally got the it took about six months to build the camp once we decided to do so and we didn't have any schedule we would tell people yeah tell gringos come come on down on on monday we'll pick you up at the dock and we'll drop you off on sunday and every they'd roll in um, pick them up at the boat dock and then take them to the camp and every night we'd be like hey you want to drink ayahuasca and they would be like, yes, for six nights in a row. <laughs> and then we'd be like, okay, okay, okay. And then, we, then we'd have Sunday off, <clears throat> drop them, take them back to the boat. Monday, pick up another group. And so we did that for, for like four or five months straight. That's, and we were dieting. I was dieting at the same time. So it was just this crazy amount of ayahuasca ceremonies and shamanic dietas and all this sort of thing way in the beginning um i was and i had the energy and 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 you know the access and it was a great it was a great way to really train um quickly obviously because i'm I'm doing all this ceremonial work and shamanic dieta work and when we started no one knew us knew anything about us so we'd get you know people come two three five um even one if one person showed up we'd be like all right let's do it you know because we needed to you know get this retreat thing down and it was a great great practice it was an intense intense practice um once we got through the first four or five months doing that and going we can't do this anymore um it, it dawned on me it was like well all these uh, a lot of these not all but a lot of these other um retreat centers they they do defined retreats with specific dates and um once we did that we went to okay we'll do two retreats a month that'll give us you know a, a week and a half in between to rest that's plenty and then of course we're drinking in between retreats to you know so we're doing five ceremonies during the retreats then in between retreats we're doing three or four ceremonies because we're out in the jungle and there's nothing to do <laughs> and uh so it slowed down a little bit but that just kept going until mid 2014 when i left and and so you know it it's it's the situation where my my training was super front end loaded and as time has gone you know now uh i think we drink um probably on average of six to eight times a month but we keep doing dietas and so forth so it's it's slowed down considerably since my beginning but those first four and a half years it's just all i ever did um six to ten in a month sounds like a lot to me yeah so. so i was i was doing what 36 in a month when we first opened our camp 36 is that right hold on uh four times six oh 24 in a month right 
Yeah, sorry. Sorry about the bad math. Um, and then I was also dieting at least once, if not twice a month. So, you know, this is, this is something that most people can't do. And um, it, I call it the, the quote-unquote gringo advantage because, you know, some of us are able to save up a bunch of money and go down to the jungle and do this something along those lines in terms of training. So compare that to a local Peruvian in the jungle who at, by the time they're 16, 17, um, either will have at least one child, generally, not always, and they have to provide for their family. They're, they're, they're essentially subsistence living. So um, one of the things that people don't realize is that when you do a shamanic dieta, you can't work. You can't go out and work in the fields. You can't go fishing. Um, so when, when the shamans who have trained, who are Peruvian from the jungle and have trained in the jungle, um, they had to make huge, huge sacrifices to do that training. And that's, I think that's part of the reason why um, there's this idea that the shamanic training or apprenticeship um, is like you know, seven to 10 years. It's because the local Peruvians can't do the same intensity that the gringos can often do. Um, and so there's a differentiation there. And at the same time, I think there's value in spreading it out over a long period of time. Um, because there's wisdom that's gained through that, and it's a, it's a slower integration process and all that sort of thing. Um, but there is there is a bit of an advantage that gringos uh, can have, not always. Um, and so, again, very intense. We had some of the things that had to work with that was very very challenging was the the concept of witchcraft or brujeria and these these what. Um, fighting in the in the the ether or in ceremony not physically but you know energetically uh, fighting and, and this is this is something that is very much part of the the jungle culture is you have the curandero, curanderos who are the healers and you have the brujos who are the the sorcerers or the witch uh, witches um, you get this very dual approach and then you know they're always gonna be some crossing of or shades of gray in between and so you know that that was something that really it, it's a big conversation but my, my views on it have changed significantly and it's part of the reason we're not in, in Peru um, is that there's a lot of that stuff going on down there it's kind of in the air and it's nice to have some separation from that um, and then you know of course dealing with a completely different culture uh, I, I was in a situation where I w not only was studying, I was also the, I built the camp, doing the market, you know, and, and, and managing the camp, and um, that, that was, you know, just added so much more uh, interaction, which was great interaction with the culture, and it was like really, really, really challenging because the, the, the views and perspectives of the people in the jungle are so different than ours. Um, that's a again another gigantic conversation that could go on for hours and hours. But that's just something that uh, was part of my training was learning how to uh, do that. And then the other thing that was um, a huge challenge and I think a huge benefit was that back um, when we had our camp in in the jungles of um, Peru, we didn't have much of an ability to vet people that is interview them and 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 check them out uh because i just didn't all i had was email and had to do what i could through email uh, to see if these people were, were were a good fit for us and man sometimes it, we'd, we'd literally get that boat show up and be like all right what's gonna happen now Cause, you know, we, get, we definitely had some doozies some you know ranging from some people who straight up lied to us about their situation to people who just weren't a good fit with us um, all sorts of thing and, and as challenging as that was it was again the super intense trial by fire dealing with a, a population that, that we just didn't know you know and it was it, it was an, an I don't want to do it again. <laughs> but I'm sure it gave you some excellent tools. Yeah, yeah it was, I'm, I'm super thankful for it. Um, and 
you know, so that's kind of some of the, the, the background and, and uh, hopefully you get an idea as to how intense that training was. Um, and then I want to give people an idea as to my first authorized, uh, well, my own, I never, I always listened to what my teachers told me. That was one of the big things that I, I thought I was a pretty good student in that sense is I always deferred to him. I always listened to what he said. He, um, I, there, I saw some other students that he was training who would blow some things off, uh, and he would he wouldn't get upset. He'd just be like, "Eh, well, good luck. <laughs> you know, don't take my advice. Fine, see what happens." Um, so he allowed me to put on my first solo ceremony with like five guests and. To give you an idea, at that point I probably had 300 to 500 ceremonies under my belt and uh, around 30 shamanic dietas. And um, when I finally went solo mid-2014, with uh, we, we, I started out with, again, working up from 10 uh, guests uh, in each ceremony. Um, I had around um, 44 to 48 dietas and seven to 800 ceremonies is my general sense of it. Um, and, and again, you know, I had a, a somewhat unusual um, training period as it was super, super front-end loaded. That is a, just very intense in the beginning. And I, I think the reason we're talking about this is that, that people don't really realize the level or intensity of training required to meet even the most basic standards in the, the jungle. And um, I, we talked about this before too, is that a lot of Westerners or North Americans, Europeans, um, are focused on the external form and they just see that, oh, all these guys are doing is singing and serving ayahuasca you know, with really little concept of the subtle energetics involved. Um, you, you talk, can you talk about the Icaros and how... Yeah. You know, yeah, so the training, you know, should be to develop the proper kind of discernment and ceremony. The training really needs to be like like cooking, low and slow, right? To develop subtlety and layers of flavor, and and this is this comes through really really clearly in the igaros. So if you've been in ceremony before and and heard someone who's just starting to study the medicine or, or hasn't really been trained, you hear them sing in ceremony, it might be a really pretty song or they may have a really beautiful voice, but it doesn't carry the medicine the same way mm. that someone who has spent time in the medicine space and done a lot of shamanic dietas is going to build the medicine through the ikaro. And it's it takes a lot of skill. Yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting on this point of ikaros, I, I spent some time with the... Uh, Santo Daime Church up in Oregon and, and became somewhat close to the church leader uh, in my town of Bend. And in one conversation, <clears throat> we talked about how, well, would, would Santo Daime hymns, or they sing hymns instead of Icaros, would they be appropriate in, in, in uh, uh, an ayahuasca ceremony or shamanic ayahuasca ceremony and vice versa? And we both agreed that um, no. Once you tried to, if you were to take a Santo Daime person and put them in a shamanic context and have them as that facilitator, it'll lose some juice because it's it's not a pro, they're not trained in that particular manner. Um, and he he was just like, yeah, you put, to put a, a Santo Daime hymn in an ayahuasca ceremony is just a pretty song. That's it. Just a pretty song. Which pretty songs are fine, but it doesn't have that. It's not being, the hymn is not being used in an appropriate context. Um, and so the, the point being is that we have a lot of people from different lineages trying to, um, of shamanism or, uh, or even within ayahuasca shamanism, trying to jump over and going, oh yeah, this will be fine. You know, I'll just do this. But it's like, no, this context is different than the one that you're, you're coming from. Whether it be Santa Daime or some other tradition, it's, it's it, you know, we got to be careful about that kind of thing. And in our lineage and in the context that we're, through which we're bringing the medicine, the skill that we're speaking about really is building medicine within the body 
and also this skill of being able to get out of the way so that the medicine comes through. And so this kind of speaks to some of the, the Eastern meditation practices that we bring into this because you want to be able to get the ego out of the way such that the medicine comes through very, very clearly. And, and that's harder than it sounds. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 we constantly remind ourselves, I, I think I can speak for Jess on this point, constantly remind ourselves if there's some sort of success or an ikaro that comes out like a particularly powerful or someone works through something in our presence, they're, that's not us. That is the divine and the medicine working through us, using us simply as this this uh, instrument. We are simply the vessel, the, and uh, we are lucky enough to be that, and we are lucky enough to watch the transformations that come through. But it is not us. We are not the ones with the power. The power comes from the divine and the medicine, and we're really, we constantly have to check ourselves on that. Right. Yeah, and, and you do throughout throughout the whole path. And power is something that comes up as a temptation, and it, it can be very alluring and very in your face. But all the the practices and uh, the purifications that we do um, are meant to keep us in focus and keep the narcissism and hubris out of the picture. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we. You, Speaking of the narcissism and hubris and the, how when people who don't have a lot of training put on ceremonies, um, they oftentimes have circles where they're, they're very loose energetic containers with few rules. And what we've seen um, is a, kind of, it allows people to magnify and indulge their neuroses versus facing them and cleaning them out. You know, our, th our, the, our goal when we put on ceremony is to clean that stuff out, um, to drop the neuroses. It's, it's not obvious, we've always said that it's not a magic bullet, but that is the, the goal. We're, we're practicing and we're going to be teaching um, pura medicina, that is uh, pure medicine. So with pure medicine, our focus is cleaning, healing, and connection with the divine and protection. So those are the only things we're interested in. We're not interested in going out and connecting with some sort of powerful spirit and channeling that powerful spirit to have power. That that can happen in, in shamanism and that's not where we're, we're interested. Um, what we are interested in is cleaning, healing, connection to the divine and protection. Uh, I would actually put protection at the, the beginning of that, that list, but yeah. So with, with that said, Let's talk a little bit about uh, how this program is particularly unique compared to you know, what might out, be out there. There's a couple of things, a couple of places out there with uh, uh, shamanic initiations and so forth, but um, and then there's some that are literally like two-week training programs that are very secular and, and not focused on, on, at all on the energetics or shamanism. So we've already, we've already talked about some of the ways that it's unique, but just to kind of recap some of them, um, we're combining a jungle approach with some other modalities to create a more integral approach and something that is more accessible for Westerners. So, you know, when a lot of times when Westerners want to take a course, you want to have a syllabus, an outline, uh, some reading to do, some discussion with the teachers, and so we're we're really going to provide that format, uh, at least a lot of that up front, um, in level one and, and some in level two. Um, beyond that, it gets gets a little bit more experiential. Mm. Um, but we also are bringing in a lot of Buddhism, Taoism, Kashmir Shaivism, and even some Christianity um, to yeah, mix. Yeah, and then. On that point, just we want people might be going well. Why why would we study um, or look at these Eastern meditation practices and these different traditions that are outside of the plant medicine world? We have found through direct experience that with our understanding of these different traditions, um, 
that we can talk to people in their own language. Like we've we've had um, pretty hardcore evangelical Christians work with us, and it's so helpful to in group circle when we're talking about. Uh, the ceremony the night before as we're working through integration to be able to talk to them in the language of, uh, of Christ or be able to quote the Bible in a context that can help them through. Um, and you know, we personally, we, we tend to be meditators ourselves and we've found that even if one does not want to uh, take up the, that particular spiritual path, the techniques of um, some of the meditation practices that we put forth are helpful on a personal level and also uh, as it relates to ceremony, uh, extremely helpful. And these are things that don't exist uh, that I'm aware of in, in the jungle. I mean, the, the jungle is getting uh, more and more exposed to uh, Eastern practices and so forth. So that's, that's part of the evolution of what's going on in the ayahuasca world in general. Um, however, as part of a, you know, full-on training program definitely not aware of anything else like it um, then we also have we're gonna bring in hol uh, holographic sound healing yeah that's that's been a big one for us uh, recently actually the uh, holographic sound healing is an amazing modality for just using the voice and, and really as a medicine and energy delivery mechanism yeah it's amazing and um, again it comes it sounds like well aren't you're just using your voice and and it's we have been shocked at um, by going through uh, the training around this this holographic sound healing how much different uh, our voices are now uh, versus before in terms of the, the effectiveness not necessarily in terms of beauty I still have a pretty voice <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, one thing I want to point out is that um, what we're doing, kind of pulling this all together, is um, we're using it, for those of you who are familiar with Ken Wilber, we're using an integral approach wherein the focus is to wake up, clean up, and grow up. So so many spiritual paths and training and so forth are just like wake up wake up that's all we got to do is wake up that has turned out not to be completely true um, there is this other component of cleaning up that is going taking other modalities um, to look at our gunk particularly traumas earlier in, in childhood. The plant medicine won't necessarily do all of that for you. Um, and then, so you wake up, you clean up, taking care of those traumas, and that allows us to grow up. And that gives us a full, uh, more integrated, when I say whole person uh, as a development, uh, versus just someone who can uh, is only able to go to high states in, in the spiritual realm, they are well-rounded, solid, grounded, decent human being is what we're going for. <laughs> um, and, and so that's the integral approach, which I think is, is, is uh, very unique. Um, and we're, we're addressing, we keep saying this, we're addressing the unique needs of uh, North American and European students uh, while maintaining the integrity of training. This is through, the way we're doing this is through a structured program, intellectual learning, and then experiential learning, and th with the goal of moving completely to experiential. So with that said, what, can you kind of walk us through a little bit more, we don't have the full details um, for you, that would take a long time, but kind of walk us through what this La Familia Ayahuasca training mandala looks like, Jess. Yeah. So, as we said, there's four levels, and it will take about a year to complete each level if you're going full bore. Yeah. Um, and, and you can take as long as you need to complete any of the levels. Um, <clears throat> Level one is really more of a personal development program with a shamanic component. Uh, so this is going to be, for example, 
there are going to be 20 ceremonies that are required to be completed in in the first level uh, and this is such that you can really get a good sampling of all the flavors that ayahuasca has to offer i mean she has infinite flavors but this should give you a really good idea and and from there you can really because we can't really take anybody seriously that they want to study the medicine path until they've had about that many ceremonies mm -hmm. and also gives time and space to kind of get through some of the major milestones like uh for example a dismemberment experience or a death in ceremony experience or you know, experiencing the void. Uh, that is something that, that's going to be really important if you want to become an ayahuasca facilitator. That's an initiation process. So hopefully, you know, may not might not happen within the first 20 ceremonies, but it also, there's a good chance that it, that it will, and you'll get to sample every kind of uh, experience you, you might have. Yeah. And in the, that first level, um, there's a fair amount of intellectual learning and, and I want to point out that that is something that we're, we're bringing in from Buddhism um, there's this concept in Buddhism of you need to develop the right view like what are we doing why are we doing it and where are we going before we can get into the the hyper experiential stuff and I think this is brilliant um, because it again it goes back to that Western need to really understand that with um, again in the jungle I don't think they need it because they, they have the, the, the those who have grown up in the jungle they see it they, they, they have a much deeper understanding just growing up around it whereas we as Westerners need to develop that right view and um, so it's, that is where the intellectual learning is coming from there's going to be a pretty extensive reading list and there will be conference calls where we'll all have discussions about uh, some of the some of those experiential projects that we'll have you do as, as well as the reading components. Um, we'll have discussions every month um, about all of those things. And then also, can you talk a little bit about uh, developing uh, a foundational practice um, this is very experiential too, but it requires some guidance, I think, from our part. I mean, we'll have some ideas, but we'll kind of leave that open. We just want people to... Yeah, so one of the things that we're going to do is have each participant pick a practice and do it for three months. So 60 days out of the three months that this practice needs to happen. And one of the things that that allows you to do is sample different kinds of practices. Or if you find one that you really like, say the first, the first three months you do a very intensive embodiment meditation practice. If you want to take that deeper instead of sampling something else, you have the opportunity to do that as well. In fact, encouraged to really take one practice deep as possible um, we have it we're guilty of this too um, that is Jess and I um, but Western culture we have a tendency to kind of jump around from practice to practice um, I think the one practice that we other than plant medicine that we keep very consistent is our meditation practice but we do a, you know we have jumped around to other stuff and it's been helpful and at the same time it's, it, we feel it's really important to find that that deep practice that we do on a daily or most day basis um, and uh, all these practices that we're going to be, you're going to be exploring if you choose to come on this program, um, are going to have both a shamanic and personal application. That is, th these practices will, will serve you in both uh, daily life uh, and if one wants to go further with a shamanic uh, you know, facilitation or just taking the, the plant shamanism study further. I think that's a beautiful thing about this program in general, specifically level one. You can use any of these practices just on a personal basis. But even even now, as, as I get deeper and deeper into my own path, I'm finding that things, the, the techniques that I use in ceremony are so applicable to my daily life. And it's mm -hmm. uh, the, the lines between daily life and ceremony become inevitably blurred yeah, yeah. 
So um, what about, okay, so level two is a big one, right? Yeah. Level two is the, the kind of the turning point. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So this is when we say the, the real apprenticeship starts because there are going to be dietas that are required in level one, but there are a lot of dietas that are required for level two. Um, so when we, we say dietas, we're talking about the shamanic dieta. Uh, if you want to learn about that more, we have a podcast, um, SoundCloud, whatever um, channel you're going through, SoundCloud or iTunes, you can listen to that uh, Shamanic Dieta Explained podcast, I think is the title. So so when she says dieta, she means shamanic dieta. Yes, sorry, sorry. I mean, yes, I mean a shamanic plant or tree dieta. Um, there's also going to be a stillness challenge, for lack of a, a better way to say that, and that is... A component where you've you've developed your foundational practice right in level one and you're able to sit in meditation and then you're able to sit in ceremony now here's where the challenge comes in is sitting really without superfluous movement and being completely still throughout the ceremony um, that is no no singing no banging around with agua florida and rustling covers and just really like sitting with everything that comes up um, and there's a certain number of ceremonies to to do that in a row and um, it's a it's a really big challenge and should bring up a lot of really important realizations so also in level two is when we would like to be able to call on you to help out in ceremony too if someone needs help during ceremony you would be able to check on them and kind of guide them through are you breathing is your spine straight and kind of just see what's going on with them or be able to walk them to the bathroom if that's what they need um also uh sopla yeah. which is uh which is just an energy clearing technique that's kind of the first line of, of defense in a very long protocol uh, yeah and then also having the discernment of going over evaluating the situation with someone who's having a hard time going through a challenge um evaluate oh okay i need to get zach or jess over here right away um for you know because that's that's a piece of discernment that uh, yeah you know um and it's a bit we call it the the kind of the rite of passage year is, is year two you know, yes. this is kind of the make or break um point in you know going Going further, or, or going now. This is this is enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let's take it to level three. To level three. Yeah. So level three is like plant shamanism two o one. So uh, in this year, you'll be either completing or furthering uh, some master plant dietas. We'd want to make sure that you do a tobacco purge, tobacco dieta, and also sanango. Um, which are, are big plants and you may have to, to go elsewhere actually and sit with other people to actually have those experiences, which is another component to experience some other other circles, some other medicine. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the part of that level is we want you to go and check out other lineages and traditions. Uh, yes. <clears throat> We'd also want you to complete the holographic sound healing training. Uh, and then you would be much more involved in ceremony. We'd, we'd want to have you more sitting closer to us in, in the front and have you be able to, for certain, go soap law people. And perhaps even if it comes up, we invite you to sing during ceremony and potentially start doing the diadas in this level if it, if it seems right. Yeah, that, that would, that's on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, moving on to... Anything else on level three? I think that's that's pretty. Clear okay, on three. Um, and then level four is uh, almost totally experiential, um, and I you know one part that Jess came up with, which I think is awesome, is uh, doing a completing some sort of pilgrimage, which can can that be done in level three if they go down to Peru yeah, to work with? Yeah, okay, absolutely. so that can, that that criteria can be. Yes, complete. You can complete that in level three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So talk about the pilgrimage, if you would. Yeah. So some kind of spiritual pilgrimage, whether this be down to the jungle to meet Mother Ayahuasca in her home and uh, sit with some elder shamans and maybe do some more uh, interesting plant and dieta work, 
or this could be maybe a pilgrimage to sacred sites in India. Uh, you could, for example, do um, a meditation retreat for a month. It's in Spirit Rock, but it, it needs to be like a Signific long-term, yeah. significant yeah. pilgrimage. Yeah, cool. And then, of course, more more master plant dietas, more dietas. Um, and then, you know, should be, particularly towards the end, we should be able to help have you be very uh, key as part of uh, running retreats and ceremony. And, um, in fact, to the point where it's like if Jess or I have to step out, you can kind of sit in um, to, to help cover for us in a way. Um, and, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about, uh, you and I, Jess, mm -hmm. but as you move through the levels and you work through with us, you will actually get an education on how to run retreats. Yes, which this is, is true. pretty, I hadn't thought about that. that, that, that that's a pretty valuable piece of, I mean, we, we will be happy to, uh, to, to really show you the inner workings of retreats and um and that'll be part of the education as well because that just helps us because eventually once you're done with level four then we're going to be like hey you want to help us out and we can expand our la familia uh, ayahuasca uh, operations with the help of these people who graduate through this program um or of course if someone wants to to go off and start doing we, we feel like they should be able to do um solo retreats starting at like eight participants and then continue the shamanic dieta practices and and you know expand from there um and you know the the idea is that uh, this by working through all these levels they should have the good foundation to do that and have really solid solid um, medicine in their body and all that sort of thing um, do want to point out again that each level requires an invite from us and an application an application invite we're not it's not a uh, check check the boxes and rubber stamp uh, mm -hmm. Kind of situation it is very much all right where are you at at end, end of this level where are we at with you do we work well together hey you want to come and, and continue or mm, i think you know one of us need to repeat yeah level two or level repeat three or, or maybe maybe the student's like hey you know at level three i went and drank down in peru and i love i want to take this other uh lineage training deeper and you know, the, the point behind all of this is such that everybody involved feels really good at the end of the four levels of either continue to work together or go off on their own versus the, what can happen oftentimes is this oh I already know you know the, the, we've seen this a lot where apprentices get ahead of themselves and they're like well I could do this and they go off on their own and they're not quite ready um, and that it's not good for anybody, right? That's um, this way. When if someone goes through all four levels and they go off in there, we're going to be like, "Fuck yeah, you go do that amazing work. We we've given you everything we possibly can. Um, well, not possibly because there's obviously more time. <laughs> but you know, in those four you know, four levels, we've given you everything we can, and by all means, go forth and prosper and, and, right. and blessings to all. Uh, versus you know, kind of uh, taking off earlier than uh, ideal. And it just doesn't feel good, you know, and, and we want to be clear about, you know, what the expectations are to, to go off and do that or work with us further and maybe, you know. Join the family. Join the family. And I do, I do want to say that I, I will be so happy if we just get two people to complete this in the next 10 years yeah you know <laughs> i really will i mean because it's, yeah. it's a hard program yes and we we see this in uh, peruvian shamanism down in the jungle it's like i would say the success rate um maybe 25 percent uh, if that to go all the way through and there are lots of people kind of get through those first few levels uh what we might call levels um and then it's just it's I mean because it gets so hard. Uh, the work is hard. The this is this is not there's there's so many easier ways to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's another point we should say it after completion of these levels it doesn't get any easier. No. No, um, it continues to be very 
very difficult, very beautiful, extremely rewarding work. Yeah. Uh, but it never gets easier. No. And that's, and that's something, part of the reason we're doing this too, is that we've seen students um, in direct experience, they kind of, they're working and they're really excited and they, um, they're kind of gung-ho about everything. And then at some point they're like, oh, this, this is, is work. work. Just like when you go to college, you're excited that freshman year, and you're, maybe you're partying too much your freshman year. But we'll use that example, that analogy. You're excited, and there's at some point where you're like, "Holy shit, I got a lot of homework." Or particularly when you go to grad school, right? This is work, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's oftentimes when when um, they're like, the, there's a realization that they're doing work, that they're wanting to go off um, prematurely, um, and through direct experience personally, um, no. <laughs> that, when you start to realize this is work, that's, that's about 30% in, uh, in my case anyway, it was about 30% in my training. It's like, oh shit, wow, okay, I got, this is, and it's not gonna get easier. Um, still, some of the most rewarding work I've ever done, or the most rewarding work I've done. Um, and, and so yeah. Uh, Anyway, any, anything, I, we actually wrapped up pretty much everything. Do you have anything else to say? Only that I'm really excited about this program. Yeah. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I think that through this program, uh, we will grow quite a lot ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, as, as teachers, really, and. I've been hearing I've been hearing ayahuasca call us to that role for a long time and we've been Putting resisting it, in, it in, in so many ways and and I'm I'm ready to take that challenge and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and we're we're going to grow personally a lot as well. I mean, this is this is something for those who haven't been on our retreats. We do our best. I don't know that we're always always saying it, but it is it is through interaction uh, with our guests that we too, we're constantly learning and and um, by putting out this program I think it's gonna up level that a little bit um, from a learning standpoint on our side and it and it kind of goes back to that um, experience with good solid guidance is the best learning out there and then at some point when you're ready your you know, direct experience on your own, you know, that's, that's gigantic. So uh, we're, we're, we're playing in that sandbox uh, and we want to guide people to also play in that sandbox, maybe with us, maybe on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything else on, on we, we wrapped this up in an hour, which was amazing. Amazing. Um, again, we are going to be getting the details out to uh, the world early 2020 uh, for now this is just a preview you know if, if you're interested uh, you know, shoot us an email that's great um, we're, again we're, but we're going to keep the a lid on the details until we have a full full release uh, full is that right release or full launch launch full launch yeah. um, <laughs> So thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this this uh, podcast. Uh, to find out more about us, you can go to ayahuascafamily.com. If you want to talk to us uh, via email, it's info at ayahuascafamily.com. Yeah, we are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, under Ayahuasca Family. Thank you again. Bye.
Limpia, limpia, cuerpo y cito, limpia, limpia, jungo y nito, limpia, limpia, santidito, limpia, limpia, jungo y Poderoso medicina, poderoso y carne, poderoso medicina, poderoso y carne. Bola ninge, bola monge, todo malo pensamiento, todo, todo cruzamiento, arironda, ronda, reina, arironda, ronda, reina, arironda, ronda, Cure, cure, cuerpo y cito, pura, pura medicina, cuida ringue, cuida monge, ninguna aflicción. Alarimo, alarimo, pura, pura medicina, alarimo, alarimo, pura, pura medicina, arironda, ronda, reina, arironda, ronda. Abercito yucantana, somos sinti medicina. Abercito yucantana, somos sinti medicina. Legítimo doctorcito, paurero, soy canoene. Legítimo doctorcito, paurero, soy Alarimo, alarimo, pura, pura, lucito en Alarimo, alarimo, pura, pura, medicina. Arironda, ronda, reina, arironda, ronda, reina. Cuerpo y cito, cuna y ares, ninguna aflicción. Arigo, arigo y caro en el mesa y cita, cuna y Cielo, cielo, ayahuasca, alta y monta y tronco y cito.